Before we even read, I, I, maybe i give you three little things. A high calling comes with high risk and high price. Maybe I'll say that again. A high calling comes with a high risk, it would seem, with a high price. See, the things of God are not cheap. The knockoffs are cheap. The substitutes are cheap. It's a high calling that came at a high price. Yes? When we were in Zambia, there's huge warehouse stores. They call them China stores. Have everything in the world you can imagine in them if you were living in Africa and might need something. The only problem is, as the name says it all, it's a China store. And most of the things in that China store end up in the junk heap being scrapped out by Africans quicker than you can get them home. Why? Because they're cheap. Things that are worth it are not cheap. High calling, high risk, high price. Old timers used to talk about the price of the anointing, the price of revival, the price of the presence, the price of healing. The price of the presence of God. And about the time I think I understand that again, I don't. (laughs) Teach me, Lord. Is there anybody in this house? Teach me. Help me understand your ways. Asking. Help me understand your ways. And when I don't understand your ways, that I trust you anyhow. Because you're faithful. And you're good. And you have my best interest at heart. You are for me and not against me. (laughs) He's for you, not against you. His ways are not cheap, but they're worth it. A high calling, high risk, high price. Perhaps you're one. Perhaps. In the book of Esther, At the beginning, there's a completely different queen than when she's called by the king, she refused to come. She had no interest in fulfilling her role. She had no interest in the word of the king. She had no interest in who she was. And to the embarrassment of the king, when she was called, she refused to come. 
It serves no purpose to have a calling that you refuse to answer. You're of no use. A calling means nothing if you won't serve in it. A calling means nothing when the word of the king comes that you refuse to participate. There might as well be no one there. There might as well have never been a call or an appointment or a title. It served no one. It was an embarrassment. He put her away and brought a little Jewish girl in, prepared her to be queen. We know her today as Esther. Her story is, at least part of it, is well known. Her charge has, rings through the ages still today. Perhaps you came into the kingdom for such a time as this. There was an evil plot that was beginning to boil in the kingdom. A man named Haman who hated the Jews and hated the things that surrounded them. Nothing much has changed. Who essentially deceived the king into a decree that could not be broken to have all the Jews killed. But you know what? When, when the enemy has a plot, I preached along this line at Jimmy Swagger Bible College here a while back, different message, but I'll go ahead and say it. When the enemy has a plot, God has a plan. <laughs> Somebody hear me. The enemy's plot's never greater than God's plan. The enemy had a plot. I'll go ahead and give you the backstory right up front before, so we can just cut to the chase on some things. Had Haman succeeded here, there would have never been a Savior. See, all the way back, it's been about Jesus. Every plot from every dictator, every hater, every demon-possessed deviant that's ever tried to wipe out the Jews, it was about Jesus. If Haman's plan succeeds, there's no Messiah. There's no Redeemer. There's no Savior. There was a plot for a fact. But God had a man in the right place at the right time. That's just how he is. <laughs> He's never without a witness. He's never without a voice. He's never without an ear. He always has the answer. And this particular man, this, this old Jew, happened to be the uncle of the queen. Haman was just like every other deviant of his type. He wanted praise and exaltation for himself. When he comes through town, bow down to him. 
It's how this enemy of ours is. He loves you to bow down to him, to his threats, and to his power and his appeal. It appeared like he had the favor of the king, and he did at this point. My old pastor, Brother Johnson, I remember preached on this old Jew, Mordecai, one time, and I remember the title of the sermon I happened to through 35 years later, whatever it is. He talked about Mordecai's back trouble. Because when everybody else would bow down, Mordecai couldn't do it. Oh, there was, it wasn't that he was in traction or, 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 or needed surgery. It's that he had a backbone that refused to bow. Mordecai had a, a back problem that he wasn't going to bend to the evil plot. In chapter 2, it says, In those days, in 21, it says, In those days, while Mordecai sat at the king's gate, two of the king's eunuchs, Big Than and Teresh, doorkeepers, became furious and sought to lay hands on King Xerxes. So the matter became known to Mordecai, who told Queen Esther, <laughs> and Esther informed the king in Mordecai's name, and an inquiry was made into the matter, and it was confirmed that both were hanged at the gallows, and it was written in the book of the Chronicles of the King. There was a plot to kill the king, and Mordecai heard it. And exposed it. What did it do? It gave him voice and favor with the king. The right place at the right time. Hear me, young person. Hear me, old person. When you're trying to generate favor, that does not work. I hadn't even started, and I'm already giving you something good. When, you're, when you make sure you're in the right place with God, he'll make sure you have what you need to have favor. You go looking for it and you will, be, you, will be, you will sell out. You will be compromised. You will, you will, in the search of something right, you will become a failure. It happens every time. But God knows how to open the doors that you will need this was the door that was, the first door that was needed was a, a, a queen that was called that wouldn't come. And Esther comes out of nowhere. And then lo and behold, another family member puts us out. You know where he was? He was at the king's gate in a position to hear what the doorkeepers were planning. Haman cooks up this conspiracy against the Jews to have them killed. And Mordecai hears it again. And chapter 4 says, When Mordecai learned all that had happened, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went into the midst of the city, and he cried out with a bitter cry. He went as far as the front of the king's gate again. For no man might enter the king's gate clothed in sackcloth. And in every province where the king's command and decree arrived, there was great mourning above the Jews. The decree had went out to kill them all. 
There was a great mourning among the Jews with fasting and weeping and wailing, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. And so Esther's maids and eunuchs came and told her, and the queen was greatly distressed or deeply distressed. And then she sent garments to clothe Mordecai and take his sackcloth away from him, but he would not accept it. He was at the king gate in sackcloth and ashes. She didn't want him to see it. Sent him, sent him new clothes to pull him out of it. He was not having it. Sometimes there is a time to weep and to pray and to fast and to make supplication on behalf of the situation. A high calling, but the high price. And Esther called another of her eunuchs whom she had appointed to attend her, and she gave command concerning Mordecai to learn what and why this was. See, she sent out to pull him out of it and didn't even know what was going on. Are you with me? He won't take the, he won't take the clothes. He won't come out in the morning. He won't leave the king's gate. That's my uncle. Something's wrong. Find out what's going on. Find out what is going on, why it's going on, why is this happening? What's going on? And Mordecai, Mordecai some people say Mordecai, told him in verse 7, all that had happened to him and the sum of money that Haman had promised to pay the king's treasuries to destroy the Jews. It was all about the money. It's always about the money. <laughs> For the love of money is the root, King James says, of all evil. It's more accurately translated, the love of money is the root of much evil. Follow the money. Mm, that makes me want to say, you want to know what's going on in our mess, in our district? Follow the money. Do you mean that? Ask me how many ways I mean that. <laughs> the sum of money that Haman had promised to pay the king's treasuries to destroy the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the written decree of their destruction, which was given at Shushan that he might show it to Esther and explain it to her, that he might command her to go into the king and make supplication to him and plead before him for her people. We've got to understand sometimes we've got to go for our people. So Haddock took and told Esther the words of Mordecai, and Esther spoke to Haddock and gave him command for Mordecai, all the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that any man or woman who goes into the inner court of the king who has not been called, he, is, he has but one law and it's to put all to death. High price of a high calling, 
high-risk situation. How many of you know it was a high-risk situation? The decree has gone out. He's going to kill everybody for money. At the king's declaration, go in and see him and make supplication for your people. There's one law. If he doesn't invite you, you're dead. Unless, except the one who the king holds out his golden scepter, that he may live. Yet I myself have not been called. This is Esther speaking. I myself, this is the queen. I have not been called to the king these 30 days. So they told Mordecai Esther's words. And Mordecai told them to answer Esther. Now hear it. Do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace. For more than all the other Jews, do not think that you will, in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, hmm, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. There's a reason you shouldn't be silent. We think silence will bring favor. To the perp from the perpetrators. Far too often pulpits are quiet because they don't want to make noise upstairs. That's the situation we find ourselves in today. It's a high, it's a high calling. It's a high risk. It is a high price to pay. But perhaps you're the one. Not just me, you. Perhaps you're the one. You never know when the situation is coming when it's you. You're the one. Famously attributed to Diedrich Bonhoeffer, arguably. Silence in the face of evil is itself evil. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. God will not hold us blameless. When is the time to do right? Always. When is the time to stand for what's true? Always. When, to whom do you stand up for truth? Everyone. God is on the side of truth. Hear me. God is on the side of truth. And do not think because you have a position or you have a church or you have a whatever it is that is your security. Do not think 
that you're going to escape. God will bring a voice, but it will not spare you. This is a personal responsibility, a high calling, a high risk, a high price. But Mordecai says to the queen, don't think just because you're the queen that you're going to be protected. Don't think your position is going to spare you. Don't think your position is going to spare me. He said, it's going to be you and your father's house. That would include him. We're not going to be spared just because you're the queen, because you have a position. It will only be spared when you stand for what's right and you speak what you know. And expose. You know who had the you know why she had to speak? She's the one that had the information. Hello. It's a high-risk situation, Esther. But really, what he was saying is you have absolutely nothing to lose. You're going in uninvited. If he doesn't accept you, you're dead. If you don't say anything, you're dead. But deliverance will come. It might as well be through you. Hello. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet, who knows whether you have come into the kingdom for such a time as this. I do not believe God is random ever. Do you? I believe that all things are through him and by him to perfection. It wasn't some kind of cosmic crapshoot that you ended up in 2023. Wherever you're at in the situation that you're in. It was no by no random bang. I'll even go so far as to say crazy things that you may have come from an unplanned pregnancy, but you wasn't unplanned from God. You may have come into a family that was in no way kin to you, but God placed you where you're at because He's the giver of life and He is sovereign. And he knows what you have need of. Somebody hear me. It's, he's not a random God. <laughs> Somebody hear me. Being used in a big way. Demands a high price. And great commitment. There's one thing I've learned that I can share. I'm still learning a lot of things, but there are some things that I have learned that I can share. That how do you stand and say the things you say? How do you preach the way you preach? How do you do it? If you, don't, if you think it's easy. But I can tell you step one that changes everything. 
when you fall in love with this book. I don't know, maybe to some people that is just a completely foreign, that they just see pages and ink. No, I'm talking about when you fall in love with the Word of God. When you understand that it is power, that it is strength, that it is truth, that it is a firm foundation, that it is unshakable, that it is immovable, that it will never change, that it is settled. When you fall in love with what is true, it takes a lot of burden off of you because you can speak it with boldness. You can speak it with clarity. You can speak it uh, in your face because it's true. And you never have to back up from what's true. You will never have to apologize, and I never will, for what's true. You want to know how you begin to change your own life, get free from the junk? Fall in love with the book. Fall in love with what's true because you can count on it. You can trust him with your life. Perhaps you've come into the kingdom. Mac Church. Against all odds, shouldn't even be here. Should have been a bankrupt piece of property on the side of Highway 12, ready for expansion, coming with a new plant. Maybe the Dollar General's here instead of out on 62. Maybe Family Dollar and a gas station at 11477 Highway 12. But perhaps you've come into the kingdom for such a time as this. It would just be lofty words and soaring rhetoric if it wasn't true. But you can make a difference. Perhaps you're the one. High calling, high risk, high price. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai. Man, you're crazy. I ain't going in there. No. Go gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan. Get them all together. Why? There's strength in numbers. And there's power in unity. Go gather all the Jews present in Shushan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, day or night. But she said, me, my maids and I will fast likewise. And I will go to the king, which is against the law. Way before the Gospels recorded it, there's a principle here of this kind comes not but by prayer and by fasting. See, the prayer petitions God. The fasting deals with you. She had a made-up mind. Listen to what she said. Go gather the Jews in Shushan. Have them fast. Me and my maids, we're going to fast too. At the end of three days and three nights, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to the king, which is against the law. 
And if I perish, I perish. Then King James says, if I die, I die. <laughs> so Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther had commanded him. That's important. Because otherwise it would have just been empty rhetoric. And passing the buck. He had the king's ear. Remember? He'd exposed the plot. He was at the king's gate. That he had favor with the king. He had the king's ear. Why don't you go, Mordecai? He knew it wasn't his place. But he did what he could. He warned. He gave a prophetic utterance that if you think you're going to be okay, you're not. But she came back with, fast for me. And I'll fast too. And I will lay it all on the line. If I die, I die. That is what God's after. That is what it takes. That is the price. If any man come after me, let him first deny himself. Take up his cross. That is the instrument of death. If I die, I die. Follow me. Paul, I think I understand. Paul, oh, but I, who wants to know him? Who wants to know him? Who wants to know him? Oh, that I may know him. Everybody loves in the power of his resurrection. But how about in the fellowship of his sufferings and the power of his resurrection? Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. He said things like, you know what? I die daily. He wrote things like, you are not your own. I've been bought with a price. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. For the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me. And gave himself for me. Amen. It's about him. Amen. If I die, I die. Who knows? The plot has gone out. Haman's hatred is known. He's burned up. Now the time has come that the king is going to honor Mordecai with a grand procession and a, and a banquet in his honor for what he's already done. He spared the king's life when he heard the enraged Haman, but it bought Esther an audience and Mordecai an audience with the king. For chapter 7, it says, well, and, and, and at the end of chapter 6,
So after the procession in verse 12, Mordecai came back to the king's gate, but Haman hurried to his house mourning and covered his head. He was whiny, he was a big whiny baby. Why? Because they honored Mordecai and not him. That, that stinking Jew that would not bow to him like everybody else. Now the king is all through a party for him. And he's going to run back, covering his head and whining. When Haman told his wife and all of his friends everything that had happened to him, his wise men and his wife uh, Zeresh said to him, If Mordecai, before whom you have become, if Mordecai, before whom you have begun to fall, Anybody ever notice that? His men and his wife was already seeing that there was a problem. Something was going on. Now, they weren't living for God. Something, but they, something's going on. And they told him, it says, Before Mordecai, Haman, who you have already began to fall. When God's up to something, everybody knows it. This Mordecai who you began to fall is of Jewish descent. And you will not prevail against him, but will surely fall before him. What a word. And while they were still talking to him, the king's eunuchs came and hastened him to, to bring Haman to the banquet which Esther had prepared. Uh oh. Esther's in charge of the entertainment tonight. So when the king and Haman went to wine and went to dine with king, Queen Esther, on the second day in the banquet of wine, the king said to her, what is it that's your petition? You know what he said? Esther, what do you want? What is your petition, Queen Esther? It shall be granted you. Hmm. Sounds like the rod's been extended. And what is your request? Up to half the kingdom shall be done. What is this with these kings and up to half the kingdom? <laughs> yeah, that principle runs still today, huh? And the queen answered and said, I have found favor in your sight, O king, and if it pleases the king, let my life be given to me at my petition and my people at my request, for we have been sold. My people and I to be destroyed, to be killed, to be annihilated. Had we been sold as male and female slaves, I would have held my tongue. Did you hear what she says? If he was just going to sell us into slavery, I would have shut my mouth. But the plot is to kill us and to kill us all. If it had been just to, to be sold as male and female slaves, I would have held my tongue, although the enemy could never compensate for the king's loss. He, see, that was not the king, what Haman had told the king. We're going to do this, and it's going to add to the treasury. But I'm going to tell you, the price of, of deviancy and the price of sin is, all, is never, it's always glitters, but there's no gold. It's always going to come. What did the old timers used to say? I like the old timers. They got some things. That sin will take you further than you wanted to go. It'll keep you longer than you wanted to stay. 
And it will cost you more than you ever intended to pay. Sin will take, will take you further than you wanted to go. Keep you longer than you wanted to stay. And cost you more than you ever intended to pay. It always looks like a good deal, but you end up with nothing. You end up broken and used up. It's the thief that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Always. He never changes. So, the king answered and said, Esther, who is he and where is he who would dare presume in his heart to do such a thing? And Esther said, well, this would be the time to chicken out. Well, this would be the time where people would come to the pastor's office and say, well, they're saying that the Well, we heard. Well, who's we? That was a 747 passing over. Boom. And Esther said, the adversary and the enemy It's Haman. You know where Haman was? Right there. She sent for him. Come to the dinner. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, I'm good to go. I get to go to the dinner. I get to go to the dinner. It's him. Because that's how that kind of people are. And the king arose in his wrath from the banquet of wine and went into the palace garden. But Haman stood before Queen Esther. What a turn of events. Pleading for his life. For he saw that the evil was determined against him by the king. And when the king returned to the palace garden in the place of the banquet of wine, Haman had fallen across the couch where Esther was. Big sissy. <laughs> the king said, that's what this devil is. By the way, when he's exposed, I just throw it in for good measure. The Bible says that when it's all said and done, when all this thing is wrapped up, when the battles are over, the final wars have been fought, and whenever it's time for him to be put away forever, that we're all going to look at him and say, that is what I was afraid of. That is what tormented me. That Little weasel is what wreaked hell and havoc all through these ages. That is what about took me down. That? Are you kidding me? You got big tough guy that was going to hang all the Jews and kill them all. He's already built the gallows. 50 cubits high. He's quite a showman. And now he's blubbering and snotting and begging for his life, fainting across the couch before the queen. And the king said, will he also assault the queen while I'm in the house? And the word left the king's mouth. They covered Haman's face. 
And one of the eunuchs said to the king, look, the gallows, 50 cubits high, which Haman made for Mordecai, who spoke good on the king's behalf. Boy, it's a good thing. I would speak good on the king's behalf if I were you. Where I go, Jeff, I'm going to speak well on the king's behalf. It pays to talk about the king good. Hello? <laughs> it pays to speak well of the king. Which Haman, there's the gallows 50 cubits high. Who God spoke, who, who spoke good on the king's behalf, is standing at the house of Haman. And the king said, Hang him on it. In verse 10 it says, So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then the king's wrath subsided. It was risky. The price was high. The calling was high. Being used in a big way demands a high price. But perhaps you're one of them. Deliverance. Hear me. There's people that need deliverance. And restoration. Being used by God fulfilling your destiny isn't cheap. And it isn't easy. But let me tell you something. There is nothing more expensive than silence. God's speaking to you tonight through His Word, He's speaking to us individually. There's people in this room that has a high calling. Not just the man standing behind the lectern. There are people in this room tonight that have a high calling. You're wrestling with it. You're dealing with it. You don't know what to do with it. I know as sure as I'm standing here, that's true. Not just in this room, perhaps you're watching live stream. Perhaps you're watching this week. Perhaps you've been laying up day and night. I know what that's like. Uh, perhaps you daydream about seeing, your, about seeing you speaking to the crowds. Perhaps you, you cannot sleep over what you know needs to be done, but you're afraid. The price is high. It's a high risk. But perhaps you've come into the kingdom for such a time as this. Mag, he's talking to us tonight. I wrote down, don't even really, uh, but now I do. He's calling it to the deep things tonight. Deep cries unto deep. The word says, 
He's speaking, it's not just a, another Bible story, not just another account, not just a familiar line that rings through the ages. Perhaps you've come into the kingdom for such a time as this, but he's speaking deeply into your soul tonight and to the soul of this church. Not a random time, not a random place, and it's, the price is high. But the rewards are worth it. I've never got something nice for nothing. It doesn't exist. There's no shortcuts. I might say in anything. You can come play. Let's get practical a second. We're talking about calling, destiny, high price, high cost. But I'm going to tell you on a very practical matter. Nothing worth having is cheap. And there's no shortcuts in the kingdom of God. I know people that have chased a get-rich-quick program all their life and they die broke because instead of putting, the, instead of putting, their, putting their hand to the plow, and building a discipline and a life and earning your way through this thing that they're always trying to find a shortcut. Oh, I, I've seen some people seemingly, you have to, you, whether it be a sports star or a tech guru or a movie star or whatever, I've seen, you know, it looks like they got there quick, but you know what you see most of the time? Open your eyes. The vast majority of the time, if they survive it, they survive it broke most of the time. They can't handle it because what, what you don't earn, you don't manage. And you won't keep. Because when it comes easy, it goes easy. People that know the value of what they've earned. The value of the calling of God. The value of obedience. The value of high risk, high calling, high price that pays in big ways doesn't come cheap. And sometimes the price will seem too high to pay. I've said it a lot lately. I'm going to say it again. Somebody needs to hear me. God's never going to owe you anything. God is never going to be in debt to a man. I don't know, how, I don't know who needs to hear that. And it, you may think that's cliche. Or you may just think it's dumb. But it doesn't matter to me what you think it is. It's true. God is never going to be in debt to me or to you. He knows how to bring reward at the right time. 
He knows how to make it worth it. And who knows? But watch you've come into the kingdom for such a time as this. Deep's calling out a deep tonight. If it's just one person, that's okay. God knows who he's talking to. But he's talking to us corporately as much as he is individually. And the question is always going to be, are we willing to do it? I will just submit you just can't afford not to. Stand with me. We're going to pray in just a moment. You can't afford not to live for God. There's a lot of things I've learned I can't afford. I don't want to harp on anything, but since it's there, I'll go. I, I can't afford not to live for God. I've tried it my own way. It doesn't work. You know what? I can't, I can't afford to not pay tithe. You know why? I've learned that Malachi chapter 3 is still true, whether the world believes it is or not. It says, will a man, will a man rob God? He says, how have we robbed you? Is that in your tithe and in your offering? That's how. It was never yours. It was a gift. I just ask you to trust me. He said, God don't need your money. You know, God don't need your money. He doesn't need your money. He needs you. God doesn't need your money. He needs you. And I've learned. You know, that's the one thing he says, prove me. How many of you ever had that little punk discussion on the playground? That's not a punk, but how many of you had those punk discussions on the playground? Oh, yeah? Prove it. Prove it. God said, you don't believe me? Try me. I don't know if God double dog dares or not, but it sure sounds a whole lot like that. He says, prove me. And he said, see, if I will not open the windows of heaven. <laughs> you know what Senator Tennyson says? He says, you can give him a tip, but God does tithe. <laughs> he said, if you want me, <laughs> he said, if God, God said, if you want me to do windows 10%. <laughs> yeah. Some of y'all catch that later. Anybody love doing windows? He says, I don't do windows for a tip. Prove me. It says, see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you do not have room enough to receive it. It was more than that, though. You know what he said? He said, I will. That's God speaking. He says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. What's that mean? It means when the thief comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy, your stuff and your things and your, all the stuff that God's given you and blessed you with that you work for, he'll say, uh-uh. Say, I didn't get a raise when I started. No. But your genes didn't get a hole busted in the butt either that you had to replace them. That's real. 
Your tire didn't blow out. And you found a sale on some hamburger meat. Somebody say, yay, verily. <laughs> See if I will not rebuke the devourer for your sake. There's a devourer, a very real one. Why do I say all that for? I can't afford to not live for him. I can't afford to not obey him. Just like the, the plot with Haman. He said, we're going to destroy all them because it's going, to put, it's going to put treasure in the treasury. And Esther said, whatever he thought he was going to gain will never replace what you've got out of my people. See, he's a liar and a deceiver and a trickster and a huckster. He'll, he, and he's good at it. He can convince you. He can convince you. Come on, we're praying. Somebody needs to hear some more tonight. Well, when I can, I'll start that, and you won't. You won't. It's first fruit. It's first fruit. He gets it first. You know what? Whenever I, I'll, I'll, I'll do it when I can. I never could. But when I do it up front, I always make it. I'm still talking to somebody. He says, well, we're just living paycheck to paycheck. No, you ain't. You know good and well you're out of month. You're out of money before you're out of month. You ain't living paycheck to paycheck. You want to make it paycheck to paycheck, do what's right. I'm about to pass out on the floor because we, we, we think that the American dream is to have it stacked up for a generation and pass it on. No. I, I, Jesus said something crazy like, don't worry about tomorrow. Today has enough for itself. <laughs> says if you're clothed and you've got something to eat, you're doing pretty good. And the church is who goes and twists things crazy and says that my God will supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus and act like that that's Cadillacs and Rolls Royces. And then say he'll supply all. Go look at that, by the way. Doesn't he say he'll supply all of my needs? It says he'll supply all my need. <laughs> you can't afford not to. The price. What am I saying all that for? Because, because the price is high. It's a high risk. But you know what? Gambling on God is no gamble. There's no gamble. There's no risk. When it comes down to it, the risk is in our carnal thinking. Because standing on the promises of God will never fail you. Standing on the promises that cannot fail. Though the howling winds of doubt and fear assail. By the living word of God, I shall prevail uh, standing on the promises of God.